0: Devontae Freeman is a New York Giant. Will the ex-Falcons running back bolster Big Blue's
1: backfield? The Giants look to pick up their first win of the season Sunday at MetLife Stadium. Can they take down Nick Mullins and the banged-up 49ers? We also will chat with
0: an ex-teammate of mine from our Super Bowl championship teams. It's the pride of the Northwest Missouri State Bearcats defensive end, Dave Tollefson. All that and
1: more next on Blue Rush from the New York Post. (laughs)
2: Welcome back to Blue Rush, our New York Giants podcast from the New York Post. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcast where you can rate us 5 stars and write in a nice review. If you don't use Apple, go to Spotify, Stitcher, Google, wherever you get your damn podcast. And check the show out. Joining the show today is two-time Super Bowl champion number seventy-one defensive end Tynes' his old teammate Dave Tollefson for a funny interview. But first, here they are, your hosts of the Blue Rush Podcast. It's Giants beat writer Paul Schwartz and two-time
0: Super Bowl champion kicker Lawrence Tynes. Tynesy, Paulie, take it away, fellas. Paul, looks like they've been busy over in East Rutherford the past couple of days. We signed a running back,
1: Devontae Freeman. I'm excited about him. Excited? I'm not sure if excited is the word. Look, this is the uh, necessity is the mother of invention here, right? I mean, no one was thinking about Devontae Freeman uh, a week ago, but desperate times called for desperate actions. Uh, Saquon Barkley is out for the season, put on IR, and it's amazing, isn't it, Lawrence, that Devontae Freeman was on the street, unemployed. He's 28 years old. What does that tell you about that position? A 28 28- Year old guy who I guess is healthy. He only played two games two years ago and didn't yeah. have the last year. But he's 28 years old, and they're trying to have this reclamation project to fill in some of the loss of Saquon, which is impossible to do. What do you think of him? Well, he's
0: a two-time Pro Bowler. You know, I remember watching him play in Atlanta when he had a couple of Pro Bowl seasons, and he's a good runner. But you know, something always happens when these running backs get paid. You know, I'm not saying injuries don't happen, but I don't think they ever run as hard as they used to. I've seen it personally. You know, I think he's a good pickup. It looks like he's probably. Going to be hungry, and and he was sitting out there for a long time. I I read somewhere where he turned down more money. Sometimes that's just players talking, but looks like a three million dollar contract, right? Uh, well, it's, for one it's year, up
1: to three million. So there's right. some so in there. So yeah, so I would say maybe cut that three million in half to say what he's really going to make, and if he gets a number of starts and maybe a thousand yards or a certain amount of touchdowns. Uh, look, it's not only his ball. We have Deion Lewis is uh yeah. you know the Giants Deion Lewis is going to play. They like Deion Lewis a lot, and I would say certainly for this Sunday, Deion Lewis is going to get way more carries than Freeman. Freeman is going to have to get up to speed very quickly here. Yeah. They'll give him a small package of plays and maybe he can do a couple of things.
0: Yeah, and he's a good receiver out of the backfield. So I think he'll help this football team. I don't think it'll be this weekend, but they may get him some a couple snaps here and there, get him comfortable. And he is a good pass blocker from everything I've read. So maybe he's a good, we'll be good on third down. And so we'll see what happens with him. But I, I like the siding. I mean, he's obviously the best guy that was available out there.
1: Yeah, he was. We talked about him the other day uh, Um, Joe Judge said about him, he said, I think he's got some juice left in the tank. And he said, we're going to give him the opportunity to prove that. One more thing on Freeman is that the Giants defensive backs coach, Jerome Henderson, was in Atlanta with him and really vouched for him the last four years with the Giants coaching staff. And that carries a lot of weight, doesn't it? When you have a guy on your staff and says, look, he's a good player, but more importantly, he's a good teammate. He's a good guy because They want to bring in good guys here, obviously.
0: Yeah, and he'll help this football team and with some leadership, and obviously he's been around a little bit. So uh, I think they're excited to get get him. You know, like we said, he is the best guy that was out there, a veteran guy that's had some production and some Pro Bowl seasons. So maybe we can pull a little bit of that that out of him. But I think we'd be remiss if we didn't start talking about this week with all of the injuries on the Niner side.
1: When you look at the schedule at the start of the year, you're right, you say that could be a win, that's a loss, that's a loss. And the only – caveat is it's not who you play, it's when you play them. This is the absolute perfect you know, write it in bold. Perfect time to play the NFC Super Bowl entry 49ers. They are shattered. I mean, let you ready for this list, Lawrence? You got your pen and paper I'm down? Ready. Okay. The quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo, is not going to play. Raheem Mostert the running back is not going to play. Tevin Coleman, running back is not going to play. Defensive end D Ford is not going to play. George Kittle, the great tight end knee, very questionable. Oh, by the way, Nick Bosa, right? We heard of him, not going to play. Solomon Thomas, defensive lineman, not going to play play uh on IR wide receiver Debo Samuel Richard Sherman cornerback not going to play. I mean this is a look injuries are injuries we get that but this is an incredible list. What does that do to the psyche of a team when they are gutted like that?
0: I have never in my life seen a list
1: like this. I I,
0: I, I can't remember wow. one. Can That's you? So,
1: wow um, I well, mean, also don't forget the quarterback is also the headliner too.
0: Yeah Richard Sherman's out they did sign Ziggy Ansa and Dion Jordan this week. So veteran players that have had some production in the past but they're going to fill the roles for bosa and d ford so we'll see what happens Uh, that's a big big list i've never seen a list that 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 extensive but opportunity for the giants to get in the win column is what it tells me when you look at this i mean they they ought to be licking their chops i mean you're playing basically a a junior varsity squad this weekend so they beat nick mullins before 2018 so a little bit different team but he's listen he's a scrappy quarterback he he plays hard he completes at a high percentage so but listen, at the end of the day, we
1: the Giants should win this football game. Mullins gets the ball out of his hand very quickly. He's going to get it out very quick. It's going to be like, uh, I like the way Joe Judge described it. He said, it's like the shortstop. It's like the turning two, like the double play. You know when the shortstop in the second baseman, you get the ball, bang. You, you, you know, to complete the double play, that's what he does. He's going to get the snap. He's going to throw it. Lawrence, I found something interesting. Do you think that now the Niners were in MetLife Stadium last week? They played the Jets. They destroyed the Jets. They did not want to go all the way back to San Francisco. They are in West Virginia, the Gr- Greenbrier Resort. Beautiful place. They're going to practice there. Uh, and, and the injuries were so bad that someone actually joked around them to Kyle Shanahan that, that that resort is on a white sulfur spring. And they said, maybe you should drink some of that water and try to get this team healthy. What does it do to a team? Have you done that. Stayed away for two weeks on the West Coast or something. Can that get a team soft at all?
0: Uh, no, but I like I like the strategy. When you have back-to-back games at the same place, it makes a, a lot of sense. You know, with Tom Coughlin, we left at the same time every game, twelve o'clock noon, whether we played in San Francisco or we were playing the Bengals. I mean, six-hour flight across country. You left at twelve o'clock on Saturday. You know how regimented he was. Yep. I like the idea of doing this for a team that's going to play back-to-back games. I mean, that's a big trip, and to do it two weeks in a row, coming west to east, is very difficult. You know when you go back West for me, she gained some time. So it's not as, as taxing on your body. So I like the idea, you know, that they're bringing up the turf. So yeah, I know that's kind of been a big story this week and the new turf and the injuries. And obviously the giants played on it week one. No, I mean, they did a banner got injured on a, on a field goal. I think it was, or maybe a late play in the game ACL. There must be something going on here. They said that, you know, the turf is sticky. The NFL PA has gotten involved. I think it's a go, right? We're we're close to game time. So I think by tomorrow, they'll have a final determination. You know, where else do you play if you don't play in MetLife?
1: The Monday night football opener, the Giants and the Steelers, there were no injuries of any note and neither team complained about it. So, I mean, the Giants have practiced on this all during training camp. You guys didn't practice on the field in training camp, but because of the COVID-19, they use that field a lot extensively. It's a brand new field. You know, Kyle Shanahan, look, he saw some premier talent go down and he got... God, yeah, it's, it's tough. And, you know, that that was very frustrating to him. He didn't want to talk about it too much, you know, at midweek about it. And Joe Judge, quite frankly, was kind of ticked off by, by Wednesday. He said, I'm not talking about it anymore. That's the league. Deal with the league. We have no problem with the field. So you can be sure that behind scenes, Joe Judge is going to tell his team, look, these guys are coming in here and they're afraid of this damn field. We're going to show them something, right? You know, coaches do that kind of stuff, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. He was kind of talking. I saw what you were talking about. He was kind of talking to him and he kind of got agitated with the questioning, but the NFL. LPA will will figure it out. They're going to play on that field. I mean, they're not going to stop a game because unfortunately a lot of guys got injured. The Niners are a grass football team. I'm assuming they practice on grass at their facility. They play on grass. It's a little bit of a change. It is a newer turf. Newer turf can be... What we call sticky, if you will, maybe that's what they're talking about. But the game's going to move forward; they're going to play it.
1: You're a player, but you're also a kicker, right? You love turf, right? You're the only guys who love turf. Players love always want grass. If you could play 16 games if, on turf, you take it, right?
0: If I could play, yes, but it, my ideal situation is September grass like Arrowhead. It's, if it stayed that way, like it was in September. There's nothing better than a really good grass field. But of course, that's gone in week two. The reason these field goal numbers are so high, a lot of people, you know, equate it to the guys are better, and certainly they are, but it's really because of the fields. If you kind of look back in the 80s and 90s on what guys were kicking on versus what they're kicking on today, the field goal numbers are so good because the surfaces are so good.
1: Of course, your guy, uh, Morton Anderson, kicking indoors on. Well, okay, we won't get into yep, that. We're yep. going we'll, to we'll move on from Morton Anderson. Okay. That
0: might be a time-time segment.
1: Oh, yes. That'll be a Time Times documentary, I think. Yes. The Morton Anderson I Know by Lawrence Times. Now, does this put, there's no Saquon Barkley. We said Devontae Freeman's going to come in, get up to speed. Uh, what kind of pressure this is put on Daniel Jones, right? You know, now now it can't be that it's all on him, right? Now it's Daniel Jones. are going to have to open up the passing attack. He's only in his second year. But is there a tendency with a young guy like, oh my gosh, I got to do this all now? No Saquon? You know, I don't
0: know if I I get that vibe from Daniel Jones. I think he he's going to rely on the talent around him. He doesn't look like a guy that's going to press, but more importantly, he just needs to you know, not turn the ball over. The turnovers are, you know, through 14 games as a starter too high. Um, I think if he can eliminate those, we can talk about him having a great game. But until he does that, you know, he's not going to have Shepard available. Mm -hmm. Um, He'll have Tate and and, and Slayton and some of the young guys there. But, you know, I'm looking forward to him playing a complete football game. We just haven't seen him, you know, a three-touchdown game with no picks and no fumbles. You're just hoping maybe this is the week that that happens. Of course, you know people forget this is only his 15th NFL start. He hasn't fully played an NFL season, but it's you know it's time for him to to hopefully put a full game together.
1: Now you mentioned no Sterling Shepard. He's on IR. It's at least three games. You know the guy uh, had trouble last year with concussions. It, it's a it's a tough situation. He's out again uh, catching a, the ball a ball in uh, Chicago, 24 yard catch. You could tell right away he hit that toe. Turf toes are. I, I don't even feel comfortable talking about. Something like turf toe with a kicker, because it, you could probably have nightmares about that. Well,
0: oh, I've had, I've had it. I yeah. had it in college, and it is one of the most painful things I've ever had in my life. You, can't, you know,
1: you can't walk or run, basically, right?
0: You can't do anything. You got to put a metal plate in your shoe as your sole, so you can't. So, fortunately for me, I ended up getting a cortisone shot like a month before camp my junior year, and it worked. But uh, you can't get too many of those. Obviously, it'll start messing up your bones. But they hurt. Yeah, they
1: really hurt. And, and it, it, it's a, you know, it's a tough blow, uh, Daniel Jones can never get all his full complement of guys, no Saquon, no Shepard. Now, there's Golden Tate, there's Darius Slayton, but I think something that has to happen here, Lawrence, is we've talked about it in the past about Evan Ingram. Now, this is what Joe Judge said about, you know, Evan Ingram, everyone says he's not a a blocking tight end. Put him in the slot. Now, Sterling Shepard does his best work in the slot. Ingram can certainly work out of the slot. Here's what Joe Judge said about that scenario. Jason Garrett has got to put some ways to get Evan out there and get him the ball. They're working hard hard on that right now. We wanna be creative, but we wanna make sure we're also playing within our offense, not just trying to invent something for the sake of doing it. This could be a ticket for Evan Ingram. Put him in the slot, have other guys, you know, the other tight ends maybe at the line of scrimmage. This can work, right?
0: Yes, for sure. And we if we can get him involved early. Again, we talked about last week he didn't show up in the first half. Yeah, I don't think he had any receptions. It was, you know, a little bit too little, too late. If we can get him involved early, I think you can get him going. He seems like a guy who feeds off of of early success, and then you watch him move with the ball in his hands. He's he's magic to watch. I mean, that guy, when he gets the football in his hands, he looks like a a, a wideout. So if they can get him involved early, I still think the running game is going to be there this week with the amount of injuries the Niners have. Uh, I think it, it bodes well for the Giants and what they want to do. Run a little bit, feed the ball short to intermediate, and then, you know, hit Slayton up top every once in a while. So we'll see what happens.
1: Lawrence, so how do you see this game going? I mean, it, it, it's I I think a couple of weeks ago, you looked at this and said, all right, the Giants no matter what happens in the first two games, they're not going to beat the San Francisco 49ers. Now, something different?
0: No, you know, Paul, if you remember, I picked them to start off 3-0. and So I'm going to pick the Giants here 24-10. I think they win this one comfortably. We're going to win with the
1: ball in our hands Taking a knee. Three and zero. Oh, huh? Well, no, they're, they were. 0- well, I was way off, right? Yeah, I'm, you I'm were way off. So game. I'm not necessarily going down that rabbit hole with you, but I, I do think, you know, this is not about who you play. It's when you play them, as I said. And the Giants are desperate. They're absolutely desperate to win. Uh, no Saquon. I think maybe at some point they can get some juice, you know, for the short term without playing with Saquon, even though they'll miss him in the long term. I think they can win this game. I think they'll win. Um, I'm going to go something like 21 14, something like that i think it'll be fairly low scoring i think the giants defense can hold the nick mullins offense down
2: and guys i also am picking the giants 23 20 i think you can get away with all these injuries Ooh. if you're playing the college football jets in the same stadium but when you're playing the nfl giants it won't work 23 20 wouldn't touch that over under though but take the giants plus four coming up next it's about that time it's Tynes' time
1: all right here goes times again from 47 yards
2: to kick the Giants to the Super Bowl. Snap is good. Kick on its way. And O'Brien,
0: does it have the distance? It is good. good. Yeah. Lawrence Tynes has kicked the Giants to the Super Bowl. After missing at the end of regulation, and Times
1: runs into the tunnel to outright. And the New York Giants are going to Super Bowl 42 in overtime. They beat the Packers 23-20. Low snap. The kick is good. And the
2: Giants are going back to the Super Bowl. And that was Bob Papa, of Giants Radio and Joe Buck of Fox Sports on the calls as Lawrence Tynes kicked the Giants to Super Bowl 42 and Super Bowl 46. Those calls from the NFC Championship games in 2008 in Green Bay and 2012 in San Francisco. And it's now time for this edition of Tynes Time. Where Lawrence Tynes tells a story from his playing days.
0: Take it away, LT. So, being a kicker is difficult on a lot of levels. You know, at training camp, I get ID'd like I'm media. They always say, Sir, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? So, 2012 were, you know, Canyon of Heroes, one of the greatest days of your life. You're on the float with your teammates, your friends, your family, you're, and you're just having the best time in the world. Well, Steve uh, Weatherford and Zach Diassi and I decided to jump off the float. We grabbed some band instruments. I think Steve had a tuba. I had a saxophone or something. I had no idea what the hell I was doing, but we were just kind of marching with this band. And, you know, we were starting to get close to where we were getting off the floats. So I get off and somehow I get hung up. I'm talking to people, I'm shaking hands taking pictures with everyone. And all of a sudden I look around and, and all of my teammates are gone. They had just kind of shuttled over to, to City Hall where we we're going to have a little quick little thing over there. And as I'm meandering towards City Hall, I'm asking people, hey, how do you get here? Three cops just bombard me, rush me, grab me. said, sir, what are you doing here? I said, well, you know, I'm Lawrence Tynes. I'm part of the team. They're like, no, you're not. So here we go again. I'm having to plead with these police officers that, look, I, I, ha- I have a shirt It has my last name on it. No one wears a Tynes shirt. So I just picked up the phone I said, look let me call someone real quick before you take me to jail so i called pat hanlon i think he either came out can't remember specifically if he came out halfway and kind of saw me from distance and waved me in but i was ultimately let go and freed to go join my teammates but you know being a kicker is tough tough when you're at these super bowl parades joining us
2: next is a defensive end who played five seasons for the giants from 2007 2007- Through 2011, he helped get the Giants to two Super Bowl titles along with Tynesie. His teammates called him Woezy for being the white O.C. (laughs) He recorded 10 sacks with the Giants in those five years, including a career-high five sacks in that 2011 championship season. During those sacks, you may have seen his comical roundhouse spin kick celebration in homage to Patrick Swayze from Roadhouse. It's, in my best Bob Shepard voice, defensive end, number 71, Dave Tollefson, number 71. You can follow Dave on Twitter, at dtollefson71. Dave, welcome to Blue Rush. Jake Brown, Lawrence Tynes, Paul Schwartz. How are you doing,
3: man? I'm doing awesome. Let's kick this off with the story, which everybody loves the story. I should have eleven. Nah, here we goals, go. Here we right? go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. let, let it, yeah. here we go. So listen, we're playing the Patriots in Super Bowl, the second Super Bowl, Super Bowl forty-six. So I make a move on the inside. I'm playing D tackle on the NASCAR package, and I, and I hit Tom, and and Tom's falling down. Justin Tuck jumps on his back. He jumps on his back as he's going down, and they give Justin Tuck the sack. So I don't get a sack in the Super Bowl, but we win. But we win the Super Bowl. So I can't be that guy that goes back and says, "Well, well, that's my sack." Well, you sound like a sore winner, right? Like I, I, I can't be that guy. Yeah, you so should now, have been though. <laughs> so now Justin Tuck is one of the. He's got like four sacks and two Super Bowls up there with Reggie White. And I'm this guy like, man, I I hit Tom Brady once in the Super Bowl. That's what I did.
0: Dave, you have two rings. You can't complain about anything.
3: That's what I'm saying. So I had to sit there and wear it.
0: Hey, listen, I I know your story, and I think some people do. I don't think a lot of people know your story. Explain to our listeners your story from high school to how you ended up, maybe the NFL, but even New York. But I think the coolest part is from high school to college, then to the league.
3: To the Northwest missouri state right lawrence yes that place yeah so in high school i was a pretty good player i went to school at a public school that was right next to de la salle high school um they won 151 straight games so they're the big dog in town and literally we we shared a fence with them i didn't have great grades so i went to junior college i did all right for myself but not much so i was working at home depot one off season and my cousin says why don't you come work on this construction crew I said, all right, you know, I was making 15 bucks an hour. I was like, that's pretty good money. So I'm making 15 bucks an hour. And then one of my buddies from junior college goes to Northwest Missouri State. And he tells me you should come out here and play with these guys. I said, all right. So I got eligible and went out to Northwest Missouri State, broke my foot. So I missed three seasons in between my sophomore year of junior college and the first season I played at Northwest Missouri state and then played two years and got drafted while I was in a bass fishing tournament on the California Delta. Um, <laughs> and, then, and then, and then I go to uh green Bay, right? With Brett and, and Aaron as the backup. I make practice squad there. Pretty good year. I messed my back up mid season, get put on IR. And then they they don't re-sign me. Well, then Al Davis, rest in peace, right? He signs me sight unseen and sends me to NFL Europe. So I go to NFL Europe, have a pretty good year, get five, six sacks, do pretty good, come back. Lane Kiffin's the coach in Oakland at this point, guys. Mm. And oh, <laughs> Jamarcus Russell's the first-round pick. Oh, so mm. I'm laughing because you all could imagine what this training camp was like. Oh, yeah. The circus. A total show. <laughs> like, it, it, it is. So, I make the practice squad in Oakland. Week four, Lawrence is in New York. Y'all beat the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, and y'all get all them sacks. There was like eight or nine sacks that game. And then- oh, that's right. O.C. had yeah. six that night. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's why I made the Pro Bowl. so you have like <laughs> six in the next 14 games. But anyways, all <laughs> due respect. If you say all due respect to me, you can say whatever you want. So, <laughs> right. so the Giants call me after that game, like, we want to sign you to the active roster. And I'm like, yeah, yes, please, because I'm on practice squad. So I get signed to the active roster. I take a, a red eye flight up to New York. And next thing you know, there's confetti falling. And me and Kevin Booth, two former Raiders, are winning a Super Bowl. And the Raiders win, like, what, two and 14? Yeah.
1: It's a good year. You know, I I have such fond. It's Paul. I have you know fond memories of you and that that incredibly talented group of defensive linemen. Um, in, in 2007, didn't you replace Hall of Famer Michael Strahan in a game? And when when Strahan was ready to come back, didn't in that game didn't he tell you stay in the game, Dave?
3: That was one of that's one of my fondest memories. Honestly, it was that divisional game against the Cowboys who were. Who went 14 and two in Dallas at the old Cowboy stadium. I think Michael strained his groin. So they throw me in there and, and I tackle the running back on like a draw play. I make a play. I do pretty good. And Michael's on the sideline and Steve, Steve Sagnol is grabbing Michael, trying to put <laughs> him back in the game. And I look and I get to the hash and I look at Michael and I'm like, am I coming out? And Mike's like, stay in. You're playing great and I stayed in the game and I put the pressure. I think the next play it didn't work as good as the first play, so after the second play they we, we rotated out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, so so you got you got one extra play uh from a Hall of Famer. That's not bad.
3: It, it it was really cool, man. And and that really speaks to uh you know his leadership. Obviously a Hall of Fame player to really trust that I knew what I was doing and, and it's a really great memory for me.
2: How special was it, Dave, being part of that group? I mean, Tuck Strahan, Kiwanuka, you guys had a, a heck of a defensive line going on the during that four or five year stretch.
3: Um well it, it was so special that we still all talk on a on a daily basis. Uh we, we have a tech stream. Um we we talk every day. Um we check on each other. I actually called uh, Strahan today and talk to him for a bit. It was incredible, and I think a lot of that gets missed in the shuffle in those five years. But rarely do you get a play in the NFL for five years with with guys you care about for those five years. It's very rare.
1: You um have obviously two Super Bowl rings, but are you more proud of those two rings? or I believe you were probably an honorary or a charter member of the high motor white guy. Um, <laughs> right? you, you, yeah. you, you, were, you were one of the high motor white guys <laughs> up, up on that board in the locker room, right?
3: We, we built this shrine to how hard the white guys worked, And, and, and so we have these pictures of, of, of the guys up, In the locker room is the high motor white guy hall of fame. So we had a picture of of Coach Coughlin up there carrying the football.
1: Of course. Of course.
3: (laughs) We had a picture of our equipment guys in youth football with like remember that times they had like the arm pads on?
1: Well let me really
0: why it originated, right, is because like Jared Allen was a really good friend of mine. Obviously Dave is and some other people. But typically they don't ever associate athleticism with white defensive ends. So and listen, that's the great thing about a locker room, right? We all loved it and we had fun with it. And, but they always say, plays with a high motor, plays with a high motor when they're talking about a defensive end from a small school or a Jared Allen or a Tollefson. And it just kind of became status quo. So we obviously turned around and made a high motor white boy Hall of Fame. Hey, listen, I want to talk to you know, a lot of people know you as a defensive end. I know you personally as my R5 or L5 on kickoff team. And anytime I had, at one point in my career, I had JPP and Dave Tollefson on our kickoff team. If you can believe that, two defensive ends. And one year, maybe JPP's rookie year, I think we led the league in kickoff coverage. And that was when it was from the 30. I mean, people were turning these guys down. I mean, if you can imagine JPP and Dave Tollison covering kickoffs, I mean, they were putting people to sleep on kickoff. And that's, we have proof of that, Wallace Gilberry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so, Dave was an outstanding special teams player. And and really, it's probably why you lasted as long as you did in the league. Wouldn't you agree?
3: I agree. I agree. I mean, I knew every year they draft a guy maybe late or sign a free agent. And I knew they probably wouldn't know how to play special teams like I did. And I enjoyed it, though. I'll go as far as saying this, Lawrence. I don't think there was a kicker in the league that had a relationship with the guys like you did. I awesome. appreciate it. I, I'm serious, though. Yeah, I, be, I mean, you, you would – we would run down there and crush guys, and you were ex- excited as we were to watch that, right?
0: I was just excited I didn't have to hit him, really.
3: <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, after
1: – he, after... he did his dirty work for him. He didn't want to right. have any part of that.
3: Well, right. so as Lawrence told the story about in Kansas City when Justin Tuck hit him. No, that was
1: that – was,
0: um, I was a chief. Them.
3: Yeah. That, so, tell the story, Lawrence. Why you were happy to have guys run down for you after that?
0: So I think two thousand. So two thousand six would have been Tuck's rookie year in New York. Yep. And we played there on a Sunday night it's when Tiki went nuts and Larry Johnson went nuts. And uh, I was running down and Tuck kind of like flipped me, like literally decleated me. And he picks me up and he goes, you know, I could have hit you hard. And I'm like, well, what the hell was that? <laughs> like, he did help me up, though. Justin Tuck's a great guy. But um, yeah, that's, listen, that's not a place for a kicker with you guys on the field running down here. <laughs>
3: But it was so fun. I, and let me say this. There's a picture of me and Lawrence when he made that kick from the first game down at the new Cowboy Stadium that i always love. And and that really kind of is our relationship, right? Like, dude, you were the man, Lawrence. You were, man. You were part of the, the crew. I
0: appreciate that.
1: Dave, so far I got here uh, in this that Justin Tuck stole your sack in the Super Bowl and Justin Tuck almost killed Lawrence Tynes, so... <laughs> We're going to have to get Justin Tuck back on here to defend himself. Uh, Dave, what I what I always remember about you is, you know, I talk to a lot of guys, a lot of players, and, they, and you know, you hear about how do you get psyched up for a game? Maybe it's their wife or their father or their uh, their uh, old football coach or a former teammate or a friend. You had a very unusual person call you up before every game and not really psych you up, but almost rip into you, didn't she?
3: Yeah. So this was a, a normal thing for me. For all of my life for my mom i grew up with a single mom and that's why i loved hearing lawrence's mom talk to him because it reminded me of my mom right so i would if my mom wasn't at the game as a young man i would talk to her if she was there i talked to her in person if she wasn't there i'd call her when i got to the nfl and even to college it became that i called her so this whole thing blew up we were playing in washington in washington and i went into the equipment room And call my mom. And, like, I hope everybody knows. My mom's like, I didn't raise a bitch. You better F somebody up. Like, don't embarrass me. (laughs) Like, the the whole array, right? Like, let's go. All right. I love you, Mom. Love you, too. And I hang up. And I turn around. And Mr. Mara is behind me. And Mr. Mara looks at me like, you better get somebody's ass, babe. I'm like, all right. (laughs) And, And that was kind of the genesis. And obviously, I hurt my knee against Philly one year. She came to the locker room. And she's like, "Why is he in the game?" And Ronnie's sitting there, like, they, "Mrs. Tolson, you mess the me." up. she's like, "I didn't fly all this way to watch him sit on the bench."
2: <laughs> well, hey. Ty's, did you have a similar, you know? Did you like hear? You said something before about your mom would call you, and he and Dave liked to hear your mom's accent. How did that work out?
0: Oh yeah, so we would. So my mom is Scottish, obviously, and she would call us after the games, and all the guys in the back of the bus would say, "Hey, let's call your mom if we won or lost," just because she they love to hear her accent. And and one time she called, and it was on speaker, and Eli sits next to me on the bus or behind me or whatever, and and it, we had lost, and so we were just trying to <laughs> laugh a little bit, and first thing out of her mouth, she goes that Eli Manning was rubbish tonight? And I'm like, oh, shoot, Mom, he's sitting right here. And so, you know, we had fun. Listen, as you can tell from me and Dave going back and forth here, there's not a closer group. We all keep in touch. We all care about each other. So that's what made those teams work. We we, we didn't have a ton of superstars, but, man, did we have a lot of fun. We cared about each other.
3: Yes, sir. I agree. And I think that's what made that team so great. And it was so competitive, but it wasn't out of, wanting someone else's spot. It was like, let's just all get better every day, right?
2: Well, Dave, we appreciate you uh, coming on here to take us down memory lane and telling us some stories. We enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, we'll end on this. What do you think of the current Giants defense? Obviously nothing compared to what you guys were, but have you seen any strong signs from uh, the first few weeks? <laughs> I think <laughs>
3: no. <laughs> there sure is. <laughs> <laughs> well, but the effort is there, right? I think. What's incredible to think about, Lawrence, when me and you were in New York, uh, just together for those five years, our worst season was 8-8. Eight eight. Yeah. And, I only, and I only played back.
0: on one losing season in my whole career, so well, this is well, uncharted territory.
3: I would, I think you'd agree with me, Lawrence. When we went 8-8, eight eight, it probably felt like we were 4-12, right? It
0: felt horrible, miserable. Even one it, year we were 10-6. Yeah,
3: it was terrible. It was like, this isn't right. So that has to get back in the blood flow of the time and and i think judge i'm really happy to hire the special teams guy and me lord and talked about it uh on the phone and text messages i'm i'm happy to hire a special teams guy because you need a manager you gotta have a guy they look better i love daniel jones saquon going down is terrible i mean that's going to change everything but th- th- they're looking better but Bottom line is you got to win games. You got to win games. That's, that's what you have to. We'll
2: see. Yeah, it's going to be a long season. Eight and eight this year. I mean, they might hold a you know socially distanced parade at the Canyon of Heroes if the Giants <laughs> pull that off.
3: Let, let me tell you first, my favorite thing from OC Human era. when I'm talking about someone else, especially the Giants. It's always easy being tough with someone else's body. <laughs> so yeah, they need to be better. Well, that sounds good from here. I'm sitting at a duck club drinking Bush Light. <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's a great light. <laughs> well, well, make sure you save some packs for uh, for the game on Sunday because it might get longer, Dave. Yeah,
3: we will. You guys take care. I appreciate it. All right, Dave. All right, Dave. Appreciate
2: Dave. it. Appreciate you, it, buddy. Need help with your fantasy football teams this week? We got you covered. It's now time for Sam's fantasy. With the post-fantasy football writer, Samantha Praviti.
4: Let's tell you who to start and who to sit in week three. Kicking it off with quarterbacks, start Cam Newton versus the Raiders. It's hard to believe 31 NFL teams passed on Cam after watching him through just two games. He's looked phenomenal both on the ground and through the air and has top three upside this week. Sit, Carson Wentz versus the Bengals. Injuries to the Eagles offensive line and receivers have made Wentz look brutal. He's had two back-to-back ugly outings. On to running backs, Start Joshua Kelly versus the Panthers. This UCLA rookie has proven he isn't just Austin Eckler's hand and has standalone value, especially with the number of goal line chances Anthony Lynn is giving him. He has RB2 potential against the exploitable Panthers team. Start James Robinson versus the Dolphins. He's coming off a fantastic week two where he picked up 102 yards and a touchdown. He's got high end RB2 potential again in a sweet matchup. Sit David Johnson at the Steelers. This will be Johnson's second tough matchup in a row after disappointing big time in week two. Don't forget that the Steelers' run defense held Saquon Barkley to .4 yards per carry in week one. Yuck. Sit Ronald Jones at the Broncos. Jones scored last week, but was eclipsed by Leonard Fournette in both yards and touches. It doesn't help that he fumbled a handoff that could put him in the doghouse with Brady and Bruce Arians. Woof. Next it's time for wide receivers. Start, C.D. Lamb at the Seahawks. This exciting rookie led the Cowboys in receiving and tallied six catches on nine targets, nice, for 106 yards. It looks like he's emerging as the number two option in this offense behind Amari Cooper. Start, Odell Beckham versus the Washington football team. It seems odd that starting Beckham's bears reminding at this point, but there were a number of people ready to write him off after a slow week one. He looked much better in week two and Washington's secondary stinks. Sit AJ Green at the Eagles. Green couldn't find his rhythm with Joe Burrow last week and caught just three of thirteen targets for twenty-nine yards. Yikes. He isn't a trustworthy option this week in the land of cheese steaks. Sit Sammy Watkins at the Ravens. He exited the Chiefs' Week Two matchup against the Chargers after a helmet-to-helmet shot. He's realistically a Boomer Bust wide receiver four or five option, especially against a strong Ravens secondary. And finally, we'll end on tight ends. Start. Jonu Smith at the Vikings. He's been a yak machine this season, the good kind of yak that is, and leads all tight ends in the category with 87 such yards. Smith is a nice tight end one play this week against the Minnesota defense that let Colts tight end Mo Ali cox reel in 111 yards. Fit, Evan Ingram versus the 49ers. He might have redeemed himself in week two, but he's going to see another tough matchup against the 49ers. Ingram has a near zero floor and falls outside the tight end one conversation. And that's all for Sam fantasy. You can read my Star State articles as well as the rest of fantasy football coverage at nypost.com. It's now time to get into the betting lines in the NFL this week with the dad-botted, shea Buttered, bald-headed co-host of Gangs All Here and producer Jake Brown as he presents Brown's Best Bets.
2: Hello, Degenerates. If you're new to Brown's Best Bets, welcome. Remember, don't bet over your head, especially in a pandemic. What I do every week is give you my three best bets against the spread for the NFL slate. I will then give you my three-leg $25 parlay. This week's spreads are wildly tough, especially with so many injuries and unknowns around the league, but let's sanitize the hands and dive in. First off, let's start with the game the guys broke down in this very Blue Rush show. The Giants are 4 underdogs at home against the Nick Mullins-led 49ers. I'm sorry, but the Niners' injury list is longer than a Lord of the Rings movie. The defending NFC champions are missing every key player possible, and they got to play on the same turf they cried about last week. Third time's the charm for Big Blue. Not only do the Giants cover the plus four, lock in the fighting Joe Judges to win the football game. Next up, it's Thomas Edward Patrick Brady Jr. going to the Mile High City to take on Jeffrey Driscoll. the Buc- Are six-point favorites, and I just cannot see them winning by anything less than a touchdown against the Broncos backup QB. Unless Brady and company are heading the dispensary for some cheech and chong action before the game, you can lock in the Bucks minus six here. And finally, take the Cardinals as six-point favorites in Arizona against the Lions. This Detroit team is a mess right now and it's going to be a long season for them. Tyler Murray is running the ball like he's in a marathon and nobody can stop him. This Cardinals team is much improved and getting DeAndre Hopkins was the young QB's lethal weapon. Mel Gibson and Danny Glover won't be there Sunday, but Murray and Hopkins will take the Cardinals by at least a touchdown. All right, all right, all right. It's parlay time. I love me an old-fashioned parlay on the rocks bet $25 in this three-team parlay to cash out somewhere around 125 bucks that will get you a juicy steak and a bottle of chardonnay but make sure you queue up the marvin Gaye while you're sipping it with your lovely lady on this parlay i'm gonna go all three with the total points since the spreads are tough cookies this week god i love cookies i also love overs inject them in my veins and cookies First up, take the over 47 and a half when the Viva Las Vegas Raiders go to Foxborough and take on the ripped hoodie Bill Belichick Patriots. The Raiders have scored 34 points in each of their first two games. This offense is electric. John Gruden has this team scoring at will. Cam Newton and Company casually just dropped 30 in Seattle. I see this game being an absolute shootout. Hammer the over like you're building a kid a tree 4 to the 90s again. Alright, the second part of your parlay, shocker, it's another over. Take the over 45 when the Texans go to Pittsburgh and play the 2-0 Steelers. The Steelers have dropped 26 points in each of the first two games, and I see them doing even better with somewhere around 30 to 35 this week. That would mean the Texans only need a few touchdowns, and I see them putting it all together and doing even better than that. This game should be closer to 50 plus hammer the over 45 like your tim the Toolman taylor last but not least part trace of your three-team parlay take the over 47 when the rams go to buffalo and take on the 2-0 bills the bills have scored 27 and 31 points in each of their first two games the rams scored 20 and 37 there is no way these teams don't at least drop a 50 piece nugget on the board fun fact though I did eat a 50-piece nugget once while having a rap battle with a kid at a McDonald's. Anyways, jump through a table and hammer the over 47 in Ram's pills. And that's all, folks. When you cash out your winnings, go have a socially distanced meal with your loved one and get yourself some extra garlic bread on the side. You earn those carbs, baby. Good luck, degenerates. We'll talk to you next week.
0: That seals episode 38, the Bob Tucker edition of Blue Rush, our New York Giants podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Jake Brown and Sarah McCrory for producing the show. Give Blue Rush a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and write a nice review. We appreciate your support and feedback. For Paul Schwartz, I'm Lawrence Tynes. We'll be back on Monday following the Giants 49ers matchup at MetLife. Enjoy the game. Talk to you all then and stay safe.